country on earth in shambles. Bill Gates already mapping out the next pandemic. The medical profession by law prevented from telling patients the truth. How do we survive this? Well, we the people stand up and stop taking it. We win at the ballot box and we do that by getting the truth out into public ears. TNN, the Truth News Network. And your warrior at the gate is Dan Newman. I've been thinking about some way we can find the really good things you know, maybe happy things, maybe things that just aren't bad and draw a big circle around it and all get in a circle, hold hands and sing Kumbaya because we found something in the United States of America that's good. Wow. Is your glass half full or half empty today, Dan? Well, it's half full. In fact, it's more than half full. I'm about three-quarters of the way there. Not because of circumstances. There's a big difference. Why my glass is half full today is I've learned how to live through the good and the bad and try to keep an even keel all the way through, knowing that at some point, because we do live in the United States of America, it's going to average out. It's going to be at least a wash. Sometimes things aren't so good. Sometimes things are much better. Well, we like those much better times, don't we? Good morning, everybody. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. It was really good. That's a long holiday weekend that I've always loved. Thanksgiving, for many reasons. The obvious ones, to be thankful for all the blessings that we have collectively as a nation, individually, in our families, and personally. It's a good time to look back and recount the good things and be thankful for. Plus, it's always good to get together with friends and family. And on top of that, getting together and uh, eating (laughs) together. Our son and his wife came over from Fort Worth. For those of you that know us, you know he is an executive chef. And he smoked, I don't know how many, four, maybe five Boneless turkeys. Now think about that. Anytime you eat any meat, fowl of any kind, the problem in eating it is all the bones. Have a good-sized turkey with no bones in it and smoke it. Oh, my gosh. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And I stayed full all weekend. I'm not full now. But I tell you what I am full of. I've got a lot of things, important things, we need to talk about today. And I mean that seriously. We're going to break down Bidenomics, the reality of Bidenomics. You're not going to want to miss this. Plus, what's happening over in Israel today?
If you weren't at the top of the show, I want to thank those of you that logged in a little bit late today. It's a Monday. I get it. you got to get back in the old routine. And now that you've got the Thanksgiving holiday behind you, looking ahead at Christmas, oh my gosh, it's a little over three weeks away, we're going to be in another holiday. Boy, this one's always busy getting to, isn't it? I hope you started early. And if you've already started, you know this one thing is overwhelming the United States of America. And that's the cost of everything. Everything. There is nothing cheaper today. Nothing than it was when Joe Biden took his oath of office. In fact, it's going way the other way. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to get into some details. You're not going to want to miss this. You're not going to want 
to miss this, so make sure you stick around. Everywhere we look, even if there are little bitty things that are changing for the worse, there's everything seems to be getting worse. I mean, even getting along with each other. Criminality, mass criminality is taking over the nation. And it just seems like evil is creeping in a little more, a little stronger every day. And not only do our people in government not really pay attention to it, or if they do, they don't talk to us about it. They're not doing anything about it. Through dark on Saturday night this past weekend, 25 people had already been slaughtered in Chicago. Ah, nobody talks about that. That's just like another weekend in Chi-Town. When you get that mentality that permeates a country and it lasts for weeks and months and now years and everybody gets conditioned to it, it's like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Everybody that's associated or get touched by criminality, even if it's not against you, it still impacts us. There's a rock pebble uh, simile that goes along with that. The rock is where the criminality takes place, and then the ripples go out in that big circle, and those ripples reach us all. We're all in this together. We are the United States of America, and that's one thing that has kept us at the top of the heap for a lot of years is we work mostly and live and get together mostly in agreement on things. Even if we can't agree on specifics, most of the time we've been known throughout generations of being able to circle the wagons and at least come up with an agreement. Even if it's just we're never going to agree on anything, but we get each other, we know how each other feels, and maybe we just agree to disagree and we accept that and we move on. Not happening. Not happening anymore in the United States most of the time. You don't have to look at the overseas horror shows that are going on. We got plenty of them here ourselves. Well, Northeast up in New York and New York City, it's really, really getting bad and getting worse. It was reported just this morning. Budget cut bolstered attrition has set the Big Apple up for a big turn for the worse as cops have turned in their badges in never before never before seen numbers. A microcosm of the managed decline seen at the national level, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, he's supposed to be a law enforcement guy and was going to bring NYPD back to where it was. And he got into office and he hadn't changed anything for the better. He took over from Mayor Bill de Blasio, who was a just a ranting Democrat and putting leftist agendas ahead of all the basic safety and operations measurably set in the city back decades. So, as resources, here we go, money, as they were reallocated to accommodate the out-of-control influx of those illegals, disenchanted and disgruntled members of the NYPD continued to resign in droves. These numbers are staggering. Even as they were short of the requirements to receive full pensions, 
They were still bailing. Reporting on the numbers through October 31st, the New York Post detailed that 2,516 cops have quit. 2,516 through October 31st. That's the fourth highest number in the past decade, 43% more than the 1,750 who hightailed it in 2018 before the pandemic and crime spikes hit New York City. Of those, 1,040 were short of their 20 years of service for full pensions. That's a 104% increase from 2020, but that's down from the 1,524 previous year. Many of those cops leaving were attributed to inhumane amounts of forced overtime. Now, that comes from Police Belevenant Association President Patrick Hendry, who contended to the newspaper, the workload is a leading factor driving people away from the job. If the NYPD is going to survive these staffing reductions, it cannot just keep squeezing cops for more hours. A graduate of the 04 Police Academy told the New York Post this, anonymously, by the way, I keep in contact with the guys that I was in the police academy with. We all have the same notion. I think maybe 95% of us are planning on leaving. 95%. Making it worse, as part of the mayor's goal of 5% budget cuts to make up for hundreds of millions spent covering the expense of putting illegals up in hotels, the next five police academy classes were canceled. As a result, the force was expected to drop to about 29,000 through attrition by the end of fiscal year 2025. That's a size unseen since the mid-90s. And it looks like it's now. It's going to be even worse than that. We've been working an average of about 13 to 14 hours a day with a lot of the protest happening in the city. Enough is enough. I'll have maybe one day off for the week, and I'm so tired from work, I don't want to do anything. That's from that 45-year-old veteran cop that he commented anonymously. Even younger officers found themselves burning out as a 28-year-old with only four years on the job expressed this, the job is unbearable, and he's looking to leave sooner than later. The cops who left can't believe they ever worked there, said Queens native Spiro Judakis, a former Miami SWAT officer who works to relocate NYPD officers to departments down in Florida. After getting 60 fed-up cops moved in the last years, he detailed their sentiments as afraid to make arrests because of public backlash and assaults on cops increasing over 25% this year. Joseph G. Colon, a retired NYPD sergeant and John Jay College of Criminal Justice adjunct professor, told the New York Post, when you look at the number of resignations, you need to ask yourself, why would the mayor ever consider making cuts to hiring in the NYPD? As the numbers continue to dwindle, things will take a dramatic turn for the worst. Honestly, I thought they already had. I thought things were really getting tough and had been tough. I'm a champion of NYC. I love the Big Apple. I love going there. I've got some great restaurant favorites. My family, all of us, 
love going to New York. It's a great place to visit. It represents everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You can find things with which you relate personally when you go to the Big Apple. The boroughs around, oh my gosh. And then you've got those burbs, suburbs. I love to visit the suburbs. And they're all slightly different. They're different heritages. People talk differently. People like to associate and live by and with people of their own ilk. You've got people that speak foreign languages that are legal immigrants. You've got people that just associate, affiliate with, and live with people of their own backgrounds. It's a melting pot. It's always been a wonderful place to go. I've never lived there, but I've heard from a lot of friends in the past, it is a good place to go and live. A little expensive, but if you got a good job, and jobs typically on the level of similar jobs in most places around the nation, they pay a little higher. It helps make up the difference. But honestly, New York City is falling apart. Wow. Well, there's a bunch of stuff that's not too good going on north of the border. North of the border. Trudeau, Canada's president, blames MAGA Americans. It's our fault for being a bad influence on those freedom-loving Canadian conservatives. This guy, my friends, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he does not have any reach or sense about normal everyday people. His father was a prime minister. He's lived a very endowed life and he thinks he can relate to everybody. He can't. Frowning on freedoms, Canada's PM took aim at American MAGA-influenced thinking after legislators opposed leftist add-ons to Ukraine aid. So now he's he's not only dealing with Ukraine, with his country, he's demeaning us for not jumping on the bandwagon to send billions more to Ukraine. The same globalist unity that stirred calls to build back better appeared to manifest the boogeyman in the red hat wearing populism that originated with former President Trump's first run for the White House invoking the Make America Great Again slogan-turned-movement, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took aim at his conservative countrymen for falling victim to the ideology of MAGA thinking. I find this so hard. Those people loved Donald Trump when he was in president because he was doing so many things and gave them ideas that they hadn't, ever thought of, or if they thought of, they didn't have the guts or the chutzpah to implement any of them in their own countries. Following a Tuesday vote this past Tuesday to update the Canada-Ukraine free trade agreement to allegedly include the Ukrainian imposition of a carbon tax, Trudeau, who had previously demonstrated vitriol for freedoms in opposing the truckers' rallies against covid And the mandates, remember, blasted American right-wing thinking leeching into the north. Oh, no. 
were leeching into Canada and their political structure and the supposed parroting of Russian disinformation and misinformation. The real story is the rise of a right-wing American MAGA-influenced thinking that has made Canadian conservatives, Canadian conservatives, who used to be among the strongest defenders of Ukraine, turn their backs on something Ukraine needs in our hours of need, Trudeau said, despite the update successfully passing with a vote in Canada of 205 to 109. But anybody that disagreed with him, that's because of their MAGA thinking. Trudeau expressed how he considered it troubling that suddenly the Conservative Party of Canada would choose to not stand with Ukraine in something that they need that the Ukraine has asked for, and to use the frankly absurd excuse that it's because Ukraine will be bringing in a price on pollution in the coming years. Obviously, that's an excuse, but it's not the real story. Speaking with the media on Wednesday, Canadian Conservative Party leader and candidate for Prime Minister Pierre Poliveri contended, I really think it speaks to how pathologically obsessed Trudeau is with the carbon tax, that while the knife is at the throat of Ukrainians, he would use that to impose his carbon tax ideology on those poor people. The last thing they need is a carbon tax when they're trying to rebuild from war and from this illegal invasion by Russia. Meanwhile, Wednesday... Canada-Ukraine Parliamentary Friendship Group Liberal MP Evan Baker suggested Polavari's stance was quite the opposite as he was accused of never promoting military, humanitarian, or financial support for Ukraine. Ukraine has already signed on to have a carbon tax because Ukraine has to do that to be a member of the European Union and the EU already had carbon pricing in place. The carbon tax language that's in the agreement doesn't require Ukraine to do anything. It's just a commitment to work to fight climate change, which we should all be able to get behind. No, I'm not behind it. I never was. I never will be. It's not scientifically proven to be real. While President Biden on the south side of that northern border has maligned the so-called extreme MAGA Republicans till he's blue in the face, every time he gets a chance, he throws shade on any conservative, any Republican, and he labels everybody extreme MAGA Republicans. Brian Kilmeade of Fox News recently pointed out rampant comparisons of Trump to Adolf Hitler. <laughs> of course, anybody that says that operates under the, the the stupidity. It's not, they just have this thinking, and it's incorrect. The people they're talking to, they've heard Adolf Hitler's name, and they know he was evil. They don't know what the heck Hitler was about. And so these wannabe real leaders, even in Canada, But especially here, when they want to diminish somebody or demean them, they'll call them Hitler, which they do Trump all the time. Even though everything Trump did, 
everything Trump stands for is 180 degrees away from Hitler did and Hitler stood for. And by the way, most of the people in this Democrat Party stand by today. Hillary, oh my gosh. Hillary kicked it off on The View. (laughs) So how much, after a while, people stop hearing it, they become numb to it. They're trying to rip Trump down because they think he's going to be the nominee. And what they can't stand about Donald Trump the most is he's for totally all in, sold out to our government being of the people, by the people, and for the people. The opposite of what Hitler did. And by the way, the guy sitting in the White House right now, he doesn't believe in that. He thinks bigger government, more control. And we, the people, have finally acknowledged it in the tens of tens of millions. Social media did what they always do. They slammed Trudeau for gaslighting, not only because the language of the legislation appeared to speak for itself, but for acting like the most holiest, noble people on the planet when they're really some of the most evil beings on the planet. Wow. One person said, talking about talking about Trudeau, he said, yes, he prefers his own home grand brand of disinformation. Another one. Unfortunately, some people will believe him. And then this. Canadians are really starting to wake up to the level of gaslighting coming from the World Economic Forum Controlled Administration. Hope people watch this clip carefully. And then the final one. Said the same thing about Muslim parents who had questions about parental rights. And he was galvanizing around the country, going to every LGBTQIA event available until he realized the Muslim vote really doesn't care for that kind of thing. (laughs) You think homosexuality in a Muslim country, if you're caught in it, is a death sentence. I've seen it personally. I got sent a live video from a friend of mine. It was getting dark one evening, and it was... The video was taken from across the street of about a five-story building, and just before sunset, all of a sudden, you see a brown, look like a bag with soft sides on it, falling from the top of that five-story building, and it splats on the concrete. About 20 seconds later, there's a second, and then a third. Those were gay men that had been caught And these Muslim leaders had them taken up to the top of that building and thrown to their deaths because they were gay. What's happened to leadership in countries around the world? Everybody wants to look and think and act like everybody else. Wait a minute. We just had one that was in office. And he he hung on to the Constitution and never got away from it, and never got away from we the people being in charge. If you missed the top of the show, I saved the big topic of the day, and I'm going to tell you about it right now. It's coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes. 
we're breaking down the real numbers and the real influence in your life and my life and every American. And sadly, that trickles out around the globe. All the places that we do business is impacting people that really can't afford the prices of just breathing on this planet right now. You don't want to miss this stuff. That's, let's say, 15 minutes from now. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert, they're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle. It's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> ah! Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Guardian of the Truth, Knight of the Republic, Speaker of the Facts, Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Well, the president didn't go to Delaware for Thanksgiving. He went out on, uh, was it Martha's Vineyard or someplace over on the East Coast? One of his billionaire buddies has a big enclave out there, and every year since he's been president, Joe's headed that way for the Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, he had to come out on Friday and get into the business of being the president. And so what was Joe on when he came to a microphone to talk about? Well, he's just so thankful that these Hamas people finally came out and they started letting some of those people that they'd taken hostage loose. And Joe wanted to make sure everybody knew that he participated 
in that process. Hmm. He touted his role in securing a ceasefire in Gaza, said he put it together with the freeing of 24 hostages in exchange for more than three dozen Palestinian prisoners that were held in Israel jails. But with no Americans included among those released in the first three releases, Representative Pat Fallon of Texas, a Republican, he jumped all over Biden, and he said Biden doesn't have that kind of influence. Fallon appeared on Friday's edition of Cavuto Coast to Coast on Fox Business. That was after Joe was bragging about his key role, and he pointed out that the lack of American hostages suggests a storytelling career politician is full of, uh, let's just say, malarkey. Here's what he said. Congressman, President Biden is taking credit for facilitating some of this hostage release. First, does he deserve that much credit? Second, how much of this is because of military pressure that Israel put on because Hamas needed a break in this? That's what Edward Lawrence of Fox News was asking Fallon. And Fallon replied, I think it's absolutely because Israel exerted so much pressure that Hamas was willing to take a break. And of course, they got 150 Palestinian prisoners from Israel as well. So they got that, and they got the pause that they wanted and needed. And by the way, Fallon knows what he's talking about. He sits on the House Armed Services Committee. Biden, you know what they say, even small successes like this have a thousand fathers and defeats an orphan. If Joe Biden was so crucial... Why aren't any Americans being freed right now? I think that's very telling, the congressman said. Beginning this morning under a deal reached by extensive U.S. diplomacy, including numerous calls I've made from the Oval Office to leaders across the nation, fighting in Gaza will halt for four days now. Biden was bragging during remarks to the media that he delivered from Nantucket Island where he spent the holiday weekend holed up in his billionaire buddy's $39 million estate. And, of course, Fallon's not the only one who wasn't impressed by Joe's alleged influence. So Israel had to submit to Joe Biden's demands to pause their efforts of finding the Hamas terrorist who raped and killed innocent people and took 200-plus hostages. And the Hamas terrorist, in turn, released no Americans and just 5% of the hostages. All this while Joe Biden is in Nantucket. How is that not one American hostage was released? Biden too busy in Nantucket napping after his turkey meal? Unacceptable. Weak. We need America first. We need Trump back. The man to get the job done. We had world peace normalization in the Middle East under Trump. That, my friends, was Caitlyn Jenner tweeting that out. Pretty embarrassing how Israel and Thailand were um, able to get hostages out of Gaza, but Joe Biden didn't get a single American. Embarrassing. We have no leadership. When asked today if any Americans will ever be released, Biden said, I'll keep my fingers crossed. When I heard him say that, I almost threw up. I'll keep my fingers crossed. So let's just stop for a second. Let me ask you a question and then we'll move on. 
How would Donald Trump have handled this hostage incident by Hamas with Americans? Do you think he would have just sat by and not got in somebody's face or on the phone or sending messages, having a video conference call like he did with uh, the terrorist in Afghanistan when he came up, he and Mike Pompeo, who was Secretary of State at that time, they came up with that withdrawal plan that Joe Biden said they never saw, they never got, which is a bull-faced lie. Numerous people in this administration have confirmed that they had it. But Biden and Antony Blinken, who's now the Secretary of State, they said they never saw it. I had a copy of it at Truth News Network. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even close to anybody in the federal government. What would Trump have done in this instance? He would have found... Get here's I'm going to paraphrase how he would have handled this. Secretary Pompeo, get whoever is responsible for this at Hamas. Get them on a video conference call as quickly as you possibly can. Demand from them with an or else. And I don't have to tell you what the or else will be, Mr. Secretary Pompeo. I think you can probably relay a message strong enough to let them know it's going to be very ugly for Hamas and all of those so-called peaceful Palestinians that are part of this mess. Not the good ones, but the ones that are part of it. And if he got that person on the phone or on a video conference call, Trump would have said, okay, here's the deal. You want to play hardball? We'll destroy this, we'll destroy that, and as we've done to your buddies up in Iran over there east of you, we will start systematically picking off the leaders of your operation, and we will never stop until you release every American. Of course, our president, when he was asked, Do you think they will release Americans? Our president said, I'll keep my fingers crossed. As far as I'm concerned, he could stay in Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard or Long Island, any place you want to go. He does more damage when he's in the White House than he does good. Wow. Over the weekend, so many little bitty things leaked out, things that exposed some really bad stuff. Listen to this one. According to one bombshell news report that came out over the weekend, a barely known surveillance program, we found out this program has been tracking U.S. phone records of millions of us. A surveillance program now known as Data Analytical Services, DAS, has for more than 10 years allowed federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies to mine the details of our phone calls, analyzing the phone records of countless Americans who aren't even suspected of any crime, including victims using a technique known as chain analysis. The program targets not only those in direct phone contact with a criminal suspect, but anybody with whom those people 
have been in contact with as well. Now, as slick as they are in this administration, they changed the name of the the program. It used to be known as Hemisphere. But now it's the DAS, Data Analytical Services Program. It's reportedly run in coordination with the big guys, AT&T. Word of this program comes from Senator Ron Wyden, who, by the way, is a very far-left Democrat. On Monday, he sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland challenging the legitimacy of this program. Here's what the letter said. This is a long-running dragnet surveillance program in which the White House pays AT&T to provide all federal, all state, all local, and tribal law enforcement agencies, all of them have the ability now to request often warrantless searches of trillions of domestic phone records. Keep in mind, AT&T is doing this voluntarily, presumably for profit. There's no law requiring AT&T to distort decades' worth of Americans' call records for law enforcement purposes. Documents reviewed by Wired showed that AT&T and officials there have attended law enforcement conferences in Texas as recently as 2018 to train police officials there on how best to utilize AT&T's voluntary, albeit revenue-generating assistance. Additionally, records reportedly show the White House has given the program $6 million through the years. That said, to his credit, former President Obama stopped funding the program on the federal level after it was initially exposed in 2013 by the New York Times. And you remember why they did it? Barack Obama was spying on journalists that worked for Fox News, and he got busted. Individual law enforcement agencies were allowed to continue contracting with AT&T directly to use the service. Plus, former President Trump later reinstated federal funding, though current President Joe Biden then rescinded it when he took office in 2021. Regardless, in 2020, a nonprofit whistleblower organization known as Distributed Denial of Secrets reportedly obtained and published a large quantity of law enforcement documents. In the files, Wired Magazine discovered extraordinary details regarding the processes and justifications that these spy agencies used to monitor the call records of not only criminals, but of their spouses, their children, their parents, even their friends. While DAS is managed under a program devoted to drug trafficking, a leaked file from the Northern California Regional Intelligence Office shows that local police agencies like those in Daly City and Oakland requested DAS data for unsolved cases seemingly unrelated to drugs. One example, an Oakland Police Department officer used Hemisphere, before it was renamed DAS, as it was still called, to look at the calls of a suspect's close friends so that the officer could find the phone number of the suspect. Another case, a San Jose, uh, San Jose Police Department officer 
reportedly asked the Northern California Regional Intelligence Center to identify a victim and material witness in an unspecified case. One officer looking for information from AT&T under the program wrote this, We got six months of call data for the suspect's phone as well as several close associates like his girlfriend, father, sister, and mother. The records don't indicate how AT&T responds to every request. So what does this do? This raises very serious concerns about the privacy and civil liberties of you and me and every American that you know and every American you don't know, especially since the program operates without any judicial oversight or public accountability. And by the way, this whole program, it goes against the very tenets of the USA Freedom Act, which was passed in 2015 to reform the bulk collection of phone records by the NSA. The act, the USA Freedom Act, required the NSA to stop collecting phone records and instead request them from the phone companies on a case-by-case basis and with a court order. However, the DAS program bypasses this requirement by allowing AT&T, private corporation, to collect and store the records for law enforcement purposes. This is probably one of the most egregious things I've heard of our government doing. And if they're doing that and we find out about it, how much more do you think is going on? What's our government doing to us? Well, let's see. They're taxing us out the wazoo. They've opened our southern borders. Do you know? Listen to this number. This will blow you away. Do you know that through the years, all of the immigrants that came to the United States, those that have applied for, been through the program, and done it the right way, in 2024, for that election, there will be 20 million immigrants that will be voting next year. 20 million that have done whatever it takes under their individual circumstances to be able to vote. Not trying to scare you, just turning you on to the facts of the nation that have been purposely hidden by those who supposedly work for you and I. And by the way, that includes the president. Even Uncle Joe works for us. Why don't you drop a little dime at the White House and see if he can uh, go get you some pizza and bring it by. (laughs) If you could get through, he'd never find you, even if you live next door to the White House. Wow, we're going to dig into... All of the inflation lies and tell you exactly where you and I stand. We're going to do that right after this break. Don't you dare go away. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. 
It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyer CD, look for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. Hi, Tom Bodette. Motel 6's new improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are, and we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new improved Motel6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Again, Dan Newman. So how bad, how bad really, I mean really, really bad, documentable, how bad is inflation in the United States? Well, it doesn't matter. You never get a straight answer when you ask anybody that's in the Democrat Party, especially those that serve for Congress or some other role in this administration. And you've got to dig. You've got to dig to find the truths in this. Now, over the weekend, I did a bunch of real research, and I found some data and information and even audio sound bites that kind of break it down for us. And I want to go through this next segment. This will probably... It'll probably last us maybe 10, 12, 13 minutes. But it's very, very important that every America understand we're in trouble. We are in deep trouble. And we're in a point where we may not be able to get out of it. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you what's really going on. Listen to this. Bidenomics is the only thing that Joe Biden thinks that he is going to be able to run on next year. So they keep trying to reinforce this idea that Bidenomics is working for the average American when the average American keeps telling pollsters and this administration that, in fact, it is not. The people who are getting crushed the most by Bidenomics, which is incredibly outrageous government spending that created this inflationary environment to begin with, the people who are getting crushed the most are the middle class, the working class, and the poor. Those are the same groups that the Democrats and Joe Biden profess to champion the most, and yet they're the ones who are absolutely getting squeezed, whether it's on Thanksgiving or any other day. That's Monica Crowley. She worked for the government and the department of, uh, uh, had to do with, uh, our budgeting process. I forget the exact agency that she was in. 
but she has her own podcast now. She's really sharp. And so she just kind of took it at the top very broadly and said, and I'm going to paraphrase what you just heard her say, it's BS what we're being told by this administration. And of course, anytime we need a fact, especially about the successful things that this president on his watch has initiated and he's lorded over. And of course, she never takes accountability for anything that might be bad. Who am I talking about? Corinne Jean-Pierre. Here's what she had to say. Listen to this question by this uh, White House press person. And Corrie Jean-Pierre's answers. So Americans are seeing, when we talk about the economy in yeah. general, you know, Americans are seeing um, energy prices up 24%, including electricity, uh, since President Biden took office. Food prices are up 18% in the last two years. Manufacturing lost jobs for the last two months in a row. Uh, and inflation is outpacing wages for 26 months in a row. You know, how does the president then sell to the American people to keep going with these economic policies? So look, again, going to be careful about 2024 anything that's related no no i'm going to answer your question okay i'm going to i'm going to answer your question just want to be because you said moving forward so just want to be very careful here look the president always is very clear when he talks about the economy he always says one of the things that he says very frequently is that when it comes to inflation when it comes to a lowering cost that is a priority for him and he has shown to do that and if you, you talked about inflation annual inflation has fallen over the last nine months it is moderating that is something that we have seen from the data that that has come out uh, wages are higher than they were nine months ago. Incomes are up and consumer spending is strong. But he understands that American people are still feeling, uh, you know, some some of what the, of this inflation, right? Still feeling uh, some of the higher cost. But again, we're doing the work. Uh, we have laid out the president's economic policy, and you've seen it. You've seen 12.6 million jobs have been created since the president took office. Uh, we've gained all the jobs lost during the pandemic and created 3 million, 3 million more. You always ask me that question, so there goes your answer. And unemployment is nearly 50-year low, and black unemployment is at a record low. So we see that in the data that comes out pretty regularly, right, monthly. Um, and uh, and the president's going to continue doing the work. Again, understanding, understanding that some of some Americans, many Americans are still feeling uh, some of the high costs, which is why the president has made this a priority. In his event this afternoon uh, with the union event, he says that uh, there's more um, that can be done. What is he doing right now? What is that more that he could be doing right now? Well, look, he's always going to make sure to uh, take action when it comes to um, uh, don't have any. Don't have anything to announce at this time uh, of any actions that's being taken. But if you look at the bipartisan infrastructure legislation, you look like the Infl Inflation Reduction Act. You look at the Chips and Science Act. Uh, these are pieces of legislation, historic legislation that has touched on the very things that you just laid out. Right? We think about the Chips and Science Act bringing back uh, manufacturing jobs here. 800,000 manufacturing jobs have been brought brought back under this administration. You think about creating good-paying jobs. The president talked about that. I talked about 12. 12.6 million jobs being created. That's going to that's going to continue under the bipartisan infrastructure legislation. That's going to continue under the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, that's going to continue under the Chips and Science uh, Science Act. So again, there are uh, there are things that this president has done that is going to have long-lasting effect, uh, and that's going to be important to millions and millions of Americans and American families across the country. It's insane for Jereen Corrine Jean Pierre. For her, for the president, for any Democrat to stand up 
and have the kahunas to say that inflation is better in any way, any sector of our economy for any American. Now, you got to remember this. What did Joe Biden promise us the few times he got on the stage and said publicly what he was going to do if he was elected president? He always talked about the economy, always talked about the economy, never recognized how good the economy was. And remember, Joe Biden was a private citizen for four years under Donald Trump. He made more money, much more money. Now, he would never credit anything that the Trump administration did for his making all that money, but nevertheless, a huge majority of the American people, because they were everyday workers, Trump dramatically reduced their income taxes. Businesses, when they make money, the people that work for them and the vendors that they use make more money, which makes the prices go lower. Do these crazy crats, not Democrats, crazy crats, do they even have a fundamental understanding of how a free market economy works? Look what we just discovered at the end of this past fiscal year, a month and a half ago. They came out, Chagrin. They had no concept, nor did they understand because Joe Biden raised taxes. More money was supposed to come into the federal government. After all, that's the way it works, right? Well, you remember when Donald Trump did the massive tax cuts for everyday Americans, federal tax revenue launched like a rocket. Now, wait a minute. When those tax cuts were being considered, every Democrat was on every talk show for weeks and weeks before they passed it, claiming that if we cut the, these can't be paid for. There's no way. This is going to cause us to not be able to pay for the social programs that we owe American people. We're not going to be able to pay for them. Lo and behold, not only were they able to pay for them, everybody was making more money. How is that? How can that happen? Well, it happened. Wouldn't you think the brain surgeon, especially that one that lives in the White House, would be able to give us some answers? Well, what did Joe do? When he got the presidency and he became president, he was touting all the economic growth that happened under Trump. It was because of what he and Barack did the previous eight years. Inflation is real. It's enormous right now. And it's destroying tens of millions of people economically. The number one TikTok post over the weekend came from a registered nurse. I don't remember her name. I just saw a little bit of it. I don't watch TikTok. It was included in a news story that I saw over the weekend. But she was crying on the phone. Registered nurse. Her husband has a great job. They don't spend exorbitantly whatsoever. And she said, we are able to feed our families and pay our bills. We're able to do that, but we're living paycheck to paycheck. Two professionals 
two professionals, one a registered nurse, they make a lot of money. And they are just barely able to make it. There were 20 million views of that post. Now, why would on TikTok, principally used by younger people, why would there be 20 million hits on that particular post unless a whole lot of other Americans are feeling and sensing the same thing? And these economic numbers that are coming out of the Biden administration, they don't jibe with life. They don't jibe with what I see at the grocery store or at the gas pump. They don't, but they don't care. And they'll lie through their teeth systematically every time Corinne Jean-Pierre, who is the spokesperson for this president, every time in a press meeting, she's asked about it. She, she gives you the same old crappy, it isn't true, but everything's okay. Don't worry about it. We're Democrats. Send us your tax money. We're going to take care of everything. So what is it really? I went to mainstream media this weekend to get this explanation. And I'll tell you on the other side of it, I've been, do, I've been telling you for months now, giving you one example of how I know inflation is up. This story, they actually gave it a name, and you can relate to it. Listen to this. It's the type of inflation you're not supposed to notice. I was like, wait, no, something feels weird because they felt like different weights. A now viral TikTok video lays it all out. The new cake mix is 14.25 ounces or 403 grams, and the original recipe was 16.25 ounces or 460 grams. The website mouseprint.org catalogs it all, from brushing our teeth to washing our clothes. Even our dogs are being hit with what's known as shrinkflation. Less product for the same price. This unopened cheese stick looks like it was cut in half. Packages of gum have started adding a thumb grip in order to not give you an extra piece. It's a trend playing out as top officials work to give the U.S. economy that soft landing that was predicted, with White House economists celebrating nearing an inflation rate economists consider normal. Consumer prices in October falling to 3.2% year over year. Still, the latest NBC News poll showing just 38% of voters approve of the way President Biden is handling the economy. 59% disapprove. I acknowledge there's a disconnect between the numbers and how people feel about their place in the world right now. But critics argue the disconnect is based on two factors. The inflation rate is understated, and the cumulative impact of rising prices is hurting Americans' bottom lines. Overall prices, if you look back over the whole Biden administration, are much higher than um, when he took office, uh, more than 20% higher overall. And there's no reason to think that the war, the necessary war against inflation, uh, has been won. That war will no doubt be a top priority for President Biden, who has seen a dip in his poll numbers, not just in his handling of the economy, but in a head-to-head -head matchup against the man he beat in 2020, former President Donald Trump. In Washington, I'm Christine Frizzau. So, you go to mainstream media, and they have the chutzpah to go find somebody that can really weigh in where the rubber meets the road for every American. We're not talking to Janet Yellen, Secretary of the Treasury. 
She makes, now listen to this, I don't know the exact amount, but she makes millions now. She's not today making that kind of money as Secretary of the Treasury. But when she was ahead of the Federal Reserve during the Biden, excuse me, during the Trump administration, she was getting hundreds of thousands of dollars as America's greatest economy speaking to countries all around the world, telling everybody what you've got to do to get your your budget straight, get your spending straight as a government, and here's how you do it. And she's the one that told us the first three months of the Biden administration when she became the Treasury Secretary, inflation, this inflation, we have a little bit, but it's transitory. It's not going to last long. And every 90 days or so, she's come out and tried to double down and triple down on stupid. And it just gets worse and worse. They don't have a clue. Let me tell you what my gut feeling is. I'm a longtime businessman, entrepreneur, company owner. I understand the X's and O's about having expenses, having corporate expenses, running a corporation with 100 employees, payroll, and all that, and listening to the people that work for me. Through these years, I've been able to test inflation, not by listening to people like Janet Yellen, but listening to the people that work for me, average Americans, people that make a lot of money don't feel what most Americans are feeling in their wallets. And when you go, you remember me talking, I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But I would go to the store and get the same loaf of bread that we've been eating for years. Same thing, that 40-calorie bread. I forget the brand name. And all of a sudden, the loaves just got shorter and narrower. And when you pulled out a piece of bread to stick it in a toaster, it was noticeably smaller. And you just heard those illustrations in the shrinkflation examples with boxes of cake mix, um, bread as an example, buying gum. Everything is reduced in size. They shrink the size. You're not getting near the same amount that you used to get, and you're paying the same thing. In many cases, you're even paying more money. I just went through one month looking at my expenses, my personal expenses. One month. And I got really discouraged and I stopped. And then I went back later and I did the second month. And based upon my expenses, and I went and looked in our pantry at the stuff that we buy, and Marianne had several things that, you know, you buy one or two at a time, maybe. You don't buy, well, there's only two of us, so we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of abundant needs that we stock a, uh, a kitchen, a cupboard with a whole lot of different food. So we had several things that we buy the same brands all the time, and there were several that had some older boxes and cans. And I pulled them out and looked up, and sure enough, they are reducing the amounts of stuff that are in those 
packaging them to look the same way. But of course, legally, they have to put on there the the ounces or whatever describes how much of what you're buying really is. Thankfully, that's to protect us. But they're not coming out and telling us that's what they're doing. you got to find it for yourself. So I'm challenging you. Go check that out for yourself today. See if you've got some stuff you've had for, oh, I don't know, eight, nine, ten months, and you've got some currently that you just recently purchased, and look at the volume and compare prices. They're reducing the volume of the product in the packaging, labeling it legally, showing that it is reduced. But in most cases, they're not leaving the prices the same. They're actually increasing the prices. Now, what does that mean in the long run? Let me tell you what it means. It means that when you had been very capable of paying your bills on time, not relying on credit, not popping your credit card, not taking money out of savings, just to spend and live. And then all of a sudden you're having to do that to keep up. Now, to her credit, Janet Yellen's been out saying, it's getting better, it's getting better, it's getting better. And we just went through and we got the first numbers of the Black Friday stuff, which wasn't, by the way, this this year Black Friday. It was Black Month because everybody started running these big Black Friday sales early in November. And so the numbers of spending have come out. And over the weekend, the mainstream media folks, they were clapping, jumping, shouting for joy because it looked like spending was going up. And they're glad about it. Well, why was spending going up? It's because you had to spend more to get the same stuff. Now, that's not a good economy. Yeah, I'm thankful that I have the money to pay for the additional stuff, and it means I'm paying more, but that's not a good sign because my number, my number about inflation at the Newman House, it's up 20%. Prices across the board are up 20%. And I promise you, we're not making 20% more money this year than we made during the Trump era. We didn't. But guess what was good about that in comparison? We paid for everything, and at the end of the month, we had way more left in the bank account than we do now. Tit for tat. And they're still out there lying about it. No wonder Joe Biden's approval ratings are down at 28%. I'm surprised they're not in single digits like the approval ratings for the U.S. Congress now. And what's sad? They don't care. They just tell us to suck it up. They've already got theirs, folks. Very, very few, if any ever, leave Congress not making a whole lot more with a net value, a whole mile higher than when they went to Congress. They've got theirs. Rest of us, it's up to you. Go get yours. 
Don't miss our iHeartRadio at-home session with Jesse McCartney. Presented by Hellman's. An exclusive and intimate performance. So beautiful. At a time when we're craving live music. Watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube. Missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer? Hellman's is bringing crave-worthy flavors to you. Serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything. With flavors like cilantro lime, roasted garlic, and creamy chili honey. You can drizzle, dip, and dress to make home the best restaurant restaurant around. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 Double Crispy Cheesy Burger. Well, hello. With two flame-broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King, I got a new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh, congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger, the Flame Fresh Taste. Well, I'll tell you, it had two big flame-broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious. Oh, don't forget the price, Jim. Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made. Probably, Jim. Okay, definitely. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger with double the Flame Fresh Taste. Hi, I'm Jet Williams. Even though I never knew my father, Hank Williams, his legacy taught me the meaning of lending a helping hand. That's why I support the Orphan Foundation of America. OFA is committed to providing education, mentoring, and a workplace readiness for thousands of teens aging out of the foster care system. With the help of OFA's support programs, these young people can go to college and trade school, graduate, and make the leap from foster care to success. To learn how you can help, visit Orphan.org. That intro play out. Uh, that piano, that 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 that. that you hear? Every pianist, every pianist. This was China Grove Doobie Brothers just prior to Michael McDonald joining the group back in, uh, I guess, the middle seventies. Uh, maybe a little later than that. Anyway, every piano player had to learn how to do that, play that lick. And I hear it. If I hear it every now and then. That lick, the second I hear, and I know it came. That's the one from China Grove. Oh, well. That's no big deal to you. I just thought I'd throw that in. Incidentally, I would be remiss if I didn't point you to the front page story of truthnewsnet.org today. There's some really frightening data and information that has come out that has proven to be true about COVID jab deaths. They're being covered up. Now, I'm not talking about deaths from COVID during the pandemic. I'm talking about now. Deaths, people dying from and diagnosed as dying from COVID-19 shots. And there is a plethora of documentation in this story. And also one spot in it, Dr. Walensky along with Dr. Fauci. There's a video in here, and you can play the video. They are under oath 
and they both lied under oath, and it's been proven they lied about COVID-19 deaths. It's a very sobering story, and it goes into all the details. And it talks about VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. You remember during the pandemic here at TNN and Live, every week when the VAERS, the vaccine adverse effect, and the problems that came from, directly from COVID-19 vaccinations, the reports that were turned into this national data point, VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, they were published, and we published each week the updated stories. We're finding out now that as egregious as the documented deaths that happened that were tagged against VAERS, in other words, adverse uh, responses from vaccinations, as bad as it was, we're finding out now it's even worse. And we're also finding out there's another site that the public can't see that provides the real numbers of deaths and the circumstances surrounding them from the COVID-19 vaccines that only those that work for the CDC can look at and see. It's shocking. It's shocking. And the question is asked at the top of this story, what's the real death toll? You need to go there and get that answer. Truthnewsnet.org. Truthnewsnet.org. And look at the story, uh, the content, uh, the what do, what do you call it, table of contents. And the story title is, Are COVID Jab Deaths Being Covered Up? It's a sobering story, but it's something we all need to know about. We need to get our arms around it. We also have a story. I hope we get to it today. Oliver Stone has come out. Oliver Stone, you know, the movie producer. He's got a lot of great movies in his rearview mirror. He came out over the weekend and made the statement publicly on a show that he's not sure Donald Trump didn't win the 2020 election. Interesting. I've got the story, and I'm going to put. I'm going to move it up. I want to make sure we've only got 40 minutes left in the show that we get to it. Some news over the weekend: Washington D.C. is facing a massive spike in murders, but a decline in the number of homicide cases that have been solved. Hmm. D.C. We're told is close to breaking a 20-year-old record for the deadliest year in the district. In 2003, D.C. saw 248 homicides. The crime has gotten so out of control, businesses are closing their doors and leaving the city. That's a news report from D.C. television station WUSA. Yet even amid this uptick in murders, there's been a downtick in cases being solved, leaving family members of those killed crushed. Asaya Timmy's husband, Akil, was stabbed in a dispute on January the 15th, 2021, died several days later. You just don't feel safe until they're caught, Timmy said. I could be walking past that person that killed my husband. Natalia Mitchell wants justice for her son, Morris, who was fatally shot in March of 2022, and she wants closure for herself. A successful arrest of her son's killer, she said, 
doesn't bring Morris back, but it would help. Homicides are occurring so frequently in Washington, I fear we collectively no longer truly care or notice the violence trending around us. We have sadly come to accept it as a normal way of life. Walking out of the front door each day, counting on luck to bring us home. That's from Bashan W. Mann. The Associated Press reported the percentage of homicides that D.C.'s Metropolitan Police Department has solved, has declined sharply this past year, so much so the city's on track to record its lowest clearance rate in over 15 years. As of the 13th of this month, only 75 of the 244 homicides reportedly committed this year had been solved. When coupled with the 33 homicides from 2022 that were solved this year, the clearance rate rose to a measly 45%. That would be the lowest rate dating back at least to 07. That's according to stats provided by the Metropolitan Police Department. Nationally, by the way, just for reference, the average clearance rate tends to hover about 50 to 60% in between those two numbers. That's according to Rick Rosenfeld, a professor of criminology at the University of Missouri. The problem is that a low closure rate on murders, it hurts police morale. And of course, the local community, they don't trust the cops, meaning even less cooperation from the public. That whole process can kind of spiral down where the community doesn't trust the police that much anymore. There's a lack of face. That's according to Christopher Herman, an associate professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and he's a former crime analyst supervisor with the New York Police Department. There's much less cooperation between the community and the police, and once the police see a lack of cooperation from the community, some of them will kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, why should we care when no one in the community wants to help us? Deputy Mayor for Public Safety Lindsay Apaya concurred, admitting the Associated Press That closure offers some sense of justice for victims. The surety of consequence is a deterrent to crime. So it's important that we are, as quickly as possible, closing cases and solving cases. Now, nobody asked Lindsay Apaya what the department, the Metropolitan Police Department in D.C. has changed to help them get better with this. And so what's my old time-worn definition of insanity? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting and hoping for and believing in different results. That's insanity defined. And we all know this is not exclusive to Washington, D.C. Crime is up across the nation. And it simply began at the beginning of the cries from those on the left, mostly attributed to the members of the squad. Remember coming out of George Floyd's death in Minneapolis? After that, everybody was crying to defund the police. And many places did. New York City was one of them. Mayor de Blasio, he just went postal against the police department. And that's one reason 
Eric Adams was elected to replace him. Eric Adams, he promised when he was campaigning. He's a longtime New York police officer. He said, we'll turn this around. We'll go nuts on criminals and hold them accountable like never before. He didn't and hasn't done any of that. Meanwhile, cops are leaving the New York PD left and right record numbers and criminality continues to go up and up and up. I just got a note just as I was talking there regarding the ceasefire over in the Middle East. They've extended it. It's been extended for two days in Gaza. That was just announced by Qatar officials that are working with both of those nations. Well, Hamas is not a nation. Both of those groups of people to get these hostages back where they're supposed to be. I'll just drop this while I'm thinking about it. I don't understand in the negotiations why the number of hostages released are so much less than the the Israeli hostages that are released is so small compared to the Palestinian Hamas people that are in prison being held. I think it should be quid pro quo. I think for every one, there should be one on the other side. If you want five of those Palestinian people to be released, you need to release five of those that you captured during the early part of that war. But who am I? I don't have a clue. We've got some really smart, longtime members uh, in government in the United States. One of them, of course, is Mitt Romney. If you don't didn't know that or if you don't know about it, you just ask him. He'll tell you. Once again, he's showing now that he's a team player, uh, just not for the GOP team. He's retiring. He's not running for re-election for the U.S. Senate where he has been the U.S. Senator uh, from Utah, he vowed to vote. Listen to this. He said, I'm going to vote Democrat in next year's presidential election if I disapprove of the Republican Party's choice as its 2024 nominee. Now, I know the second I said that, you're all running to get your pad to, to pull it out so you can hear who Mitt Romney is going to recommend to vote for because you're going to want you're going to want to vote for the same person, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He, by the way, in case you don't remember, he's a failed Republican presidential candidate and the former governor of ultra liberal Massachusetts. He won't be voting for either Donald Trump or Vivek Ramaswamy next November. And will instead, he says, vote for a Democrat, even if it's Joe Biden and the continuation of the most extreme left-wing policies in our nation's history. So he did an interview with CBS News anchor Nora O'Donnell, and in a clip from that that was shared on Twitter, now X, Romney made it clear he'd rather support a candidate from the opposition party if it comes down to that. Anybody. I'd be happy to support virtually any one of the Republicans. Maybe not Vivek, he told O'Donnell, who asked him who he likes out of the GOP field, but the others that are running would be acceptable to me, and I'd, I'd be happy to vote for them. I'd be happy to vote for a number of the Democrats, too. I mean, it would be an upgrade from, in my opinion, from Donald Trump 
and perhaps also from Joe Biden. Look, I like President Biden. You know, I find him a very charming, engaging person. There are some places I agree with him, but most places I disagree. I think he's made all sorts of terrible mistakes, but I would like to see someone else run. That was Pierre Delecto said, suggesting that while Biden wouldn't be his preference, he'd be better than Trump. Since he chose to go to Washington to do battle with Trump, Romney has oozed sanctimony from every pore, joining his Democrat pals on their failed impeachment efforts, marching with Black Lives Matter, voting in support of Biden's war on the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. Having gagged away a winnable election against a vulnerable Barack Obama in 2012 or choked like a dog, as Trump put it. You remember when Trump said that? Oh, my gosh. Romney went over the edge. That was the final straw. If you don't remember this, after Donald Trump was elected president, Mitt Romney, he constantly showed up to meet with Donald Trump because Romney felt like he was qualified for and he wanted to be the Secretary of State. And I would have I would have loved to have been in the room and listened to those conversations when Mitt Romney was making his case. And that is in spite of all the negative stuff that Mitt Romney had to say about Trump. And also, by the way, Romney's political career, which hasn't been very good. The Atlantic's McKay Coppins, who's the author of the recently released biography, Romney, A Reckoning, speculated the subject of his book could possibly even endorse Joe Biden. I mean, there's no way he'll support or endorse Donald Trump, Coppins said. That was during an appearance on a recent podcast. Will he somehow lend his support to Joe Biden? I don't know the answer to that. Romney's still a conservative. That's the tricky thing about all this. He feels completely alienated from his party. Well, let me tell you why he's alienated. He's not a conservative. He's a rhino, Republican in name only. He votes against many of the most obvious causes on legislation that comes to the U.S. Senate that is conservative. And he doesn't care. He's got his, he already got his before he became a candidate for the presidency. He came from a wealthy family. He worked on Wall Street. He was one of those evil Wall Street bankers that back in 2008 almost bankrupted the nation. Remember that? Romney was there. Romney is a certified loser who announced his retirement after everyone learned he was serving himself instead of his constituents. That was a quip from Trump campaign spokesman Stephen Chung when he was talking to Newsweek. He has a severe case of Trump derangement syndrome and should get the proper help he requires. Oh, my gosh. And meanwhile, we have a president in the White House that he's torn. Remember when that October 7th massacre took place that Saturday morning when Hamas went into Israel and slaughtered 1,500 Israeli people? Well... Joe would not come out and give vociferous support to Israel. 
was damning and demeaning the slaughter of innocent people, but he would not come out and say, we stand with our friends, our neighbors, our allies, Israel in the Middle East. He wouldn't do it until several days later. And we saw him in a public setting with Barack Obama in his ear. And then all of a sudden, I can't imagine Obama wouldn't instruct him or advise him to uh, come out totally for the Israeli people, but he did, and he's been doing it the same way. So he has stayed in trouble because the American people watch this waffling he does. Victor Davis Hanson, over the weekend, he detailed why Biden's hopeless bid to engender positive sentiment among the pro-Hamas sympathizers has proven to be a losing proposition. Anti-Americanism and anti-Western society were on full display over the Thanksgiving holiday. Traditions like the Macy's parade, Black Friday shopping were the latest victims of anti-Israel ceasefire demonstrators. While our president appeared to blindly go through the motions of a hostage release that saw American citizens continuing to be used as pawns for those terrorists, the Hoover Institution senior fellow Somebody I like and respect a lot, Victor Davis Hanson, he appeared on the Ingram Angle to analyze the administration's response. Why are we bringing in people who hate us? And why are we allowing our campuses to fuel this hatred of us? That's Victor Davis' Victor Davis's question. And he was talking to Lisa Booth on Friday. She was the guest that was stumping for Laura Ingram. When asked about the specific political political impact for Biden seemingly acquiescing to the pro-Hamas caucus, Hansen laid this out. He has a choice between something bad and something worse. The more he panders to Hamas to get a measly 250,000 votes and maybe Michigan, the more that he's turning off people on an issue that they're already overwhelmingly angry about, and that's open border, and the ingratitude of people who come in here, whether sometimes legally, but illegally, and then they use our magnanimity and they reciprocate with disgust for the very institutions that helped them, he said. That's a losing proposition. And he continued, Hanson did. So when he gets on the side of all of these protesters and fear of them, that resonates weakness but it also resonates disgust by the average voter. And we all know why he's trying to do it, but it's hopeless. On Friday, the president who has fed into anti-Israel rhetoric by pushing for federal action to confront Islamophobia spoke proudly of a readily ignored four-day ceasefire in Gaza as part of hostage release while he admitted he didn't know when the captive Americans would be released or if they were even still alive. We don't know all their conditions, Biden told a reporter after saying, we don't know when their release will occur, but we're going to be, we expect it to occur. And we don't know what the list of all the hostages are and when they'll be released, but we know the numbers that are going to be released. That's what he said. So it's my hope and expectation it will be soon. As with kowtowing to any leftist demand, whether it be radical Islamism, transgenderism, critical race theory, 
There was no upside in ceding ground, and in the case of a terrorist sympathizer, Hansen made clear how currying favor for the sake of a set demographic was ultimately a lose-lose for that side of the political spectrum. The irony is, he said, if they think they're going to defeat Joe Biden, then they're going to get a Republican, the next Republican president, believe me. The next Republican president will issue a travel ban from countries that support terrorism, and they will probably deport anyone who's convicted of a crime on a student or green card visa, and they should know that. Hanson, although he described how widespread any Israeli d- demonstrations and the like were impacting a growing movement against globalism, as we saw in recent elections like the one down in Argentina. Yes, they're affecting elections, but they're creating the greatest animus for the Middle East immigrant in my lifetime. There is nothing, nothing good coming out of Washington, D.C., this administration, as it pertains to anything. Our economy sucks He's got our border, southern border, wide open. Do you know that immigrants that are coming in now across the Canadian border, illegal immigrants I'm talking about, it's up 550%. Joe Biden, he not only doesn't say anything or take any kind of pause to explain what's going on and why, he just ignores it. And he keeps on waving all those illegals in. He cannot, he cannot relate to the realities of what his policies are creating. And often when I hear him say some of the things that he says about how good things are, he's still out there supporting his economic policies. I think he doesn't get it. Is it because he's stupid or just cognitively declined? I'm not a physician. But I guarantee you there are physicians that have been in touch with him that could come out and tell us the facts, but I don't need anybody to tell me. I can look and watch and see the impact of things that he says and things that he does. And it confirms again and again what this Cajun from South Louisiana knows. When it quacks and when it waddles, it's a duck. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals 
better, here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey, Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable-knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high-efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable-knit to cable-knocked. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Truth, justice, the American way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman. And here's another explanation example of our president. He has been suggesting that Hamas terrorists invaded Israel, slaughtered its citizens, and the reason they did so was to prevent Joe from bringing peace to the Middle East. He actually said that. So he's serial at coming up and claiming credit for things that he had nothing to do with. This would be one of those. He's definitely a teller of tall tales. He uncorked yet another of his audacious claims that have marked his five-decade career as a swamp-dwelling politician speaking after the terror group released the first of those 13 hostages that it kidnapped during its murderous October 7th attack. On Friday, he was speaking, and he addressed some reporters after those hostages were freed. No Americans, by the way. And like when he said that, he ended cancer earlier this year. His remarks on Friday left a bunch of people scratching their heads. He says this, The reason Hamas struck when they did was because Biden wanted to build the railroad from Riyadh all the way through the Middle East into Saudi Arabia, Israel, etc., and all the way to Europe. So while in the middle of answering a question from a reporter, the uh, misleader in treat of the free world went off script. Let me back up, he said. I can't prove what I'm about to say, but I believe one of the reasons Hamas struck when they did was they knew I was working very close in the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. Biden added he wanted to build a railroad from Riyadh all the way through the Middle East into Saudi Arabia, Israel, and all the way to Europe. He then corrected himself that he didn't really mean a railroad, but an underground pipeline. Boy, man, an underground pipeline, that's going to bring world peace wherever there's an underground pipeline, right? (laughs) His unprovable claim had ex-users smelling more of the same malarkey. Just a couple of responses. Joe Biden is now claiming the reason Hamas brutally attacked Israel is because he was close to ushering in peace in the Middle East. That's from a guy in Texas. Joe Biden is now claiming the reason Hamas brutally attacked Israel is because he's close to getting peace in the Middle East. This is delusional. You know what peace looks like? 
the Abraham Accords, and we have President Trump to thank for that. I was told there would be no malarkey. This is malarkey. Genocide Joe is actually claiming Hamas attacked Israel to spoil a peace deal in the region that he was brokering. He had nothing to do with the Abraham Accords. He didn't want anything to do with it. Barack Obama was dead set against it. Donald Trump did that single-handedly, and Joe Biden summarily began to break it into pieces. Certainly, he didn't do anything to help there being peace over there. And I'm hurrying on because I've, I've, got, uh, I've got some things that just happened. Numbers are out regarding diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, that DEI initiative that so many companies and institutions took in. And it all began back uh, when they were getting the pressure on the social levels that you got to comply. You've got to take control of your big companies and you got to stop being flying solo out there and have diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's going to pieces now. Yeah, it is. The total percentage of American organizations today with a DEI budget, it dropped from 58% to 54% in just a few months, while the number of organizations with a DEI strategy fell 10 points in that same uh, same time frame. It gained huge traction, the DEI process, following the death in Minneapolis of George Floyd, which encouraged companies to divert their resources to the practice, but now external forces, including tightening economic conditions, as well as public and judicial pressure, and pushing back on those efforts. After two years of unprecedented investment sparked by 2020's racial justice movement, this year, global momentum around DEI slowed. That's according to a report from Paradigm. There are a number of headwinds contributing to this shift. The first is economic uncertainty that not only led to reduced spending across the board, it also firmly shifted the power balance back to the employers. Despite the decline in funding, there was a six-point increase in the number of companies that had a senior DEI later and an eight-point increase in organizations that had goals related to representation for women in leadership from 2022 to 23. That's also according to Paradigm. Total of 20% of companies in 23 had goals related to increasing employment, related to race or ethnicity, which is a four-point increase year over year. Reality wakes us all up. It doesn't matter what we think, what we believe, what we want, what we spurn. None of that matters, especially if you deal with the general public. Why does it not matter? Because all that matters is the overall results of the policies that you implement in your company. I don't care if you're the sole owner, if you have public stockholders, it doesn't really matter. Nobody, listen to this, nobody buys stock in a company if they're doing it just because it's a social justice entity. That DEI is the fundamental backbone of a company 
as long as it doesn't make money, they're not going to invest in it. Oh my gosh, we're back to that evil capitalism conversation again. Yeah, we are. You know why? Because it's the way America has become the nation that it is. Sadly, it's also one of the reasons why it's under siege from people within the company who look at it and they think they can do it better. All you got to do is give us your money. They want to tax and spend, tax and spend. And that does not work. It's unsustainable. I get amped up when I talk about it because they're stupid. They love the rewards that come from capitalism, but it sounds like it's only for the big-time, very wealthy people, and we know what those billionaires are all about. They don't care about the little guys. Well, those big owners, those top filthy rich people, those are the people that build corporations, that expand corporations, that come up with new products and goods that allows them to, when they expand, hire more people, increase wages, provide pricing that meets the needs of their customers and all consumers. This social justice stuff doesn't work, and it will change. When all this began after George Floyd, after that whole incident, it was a horrible thing what happened to that guy. Horrible. And everybody that was instigating it, was part of it, should be held accountable for. It's no different than for any other lawlessness. If you break laws, you need to be held accountable in every scenario. Nobody should be above the law. Oh, you remember when Donald Trump was president? How many times did Nancy Pelosi publicly remind everybody about Donald Trump when they went through the two impeachment processes? Her mantra was, nobody's above the law. Nobody's above the law. Well, she is. She, she has very seldom been held accountable for her manipulating the capitalist system to make big dollars for her and her husband. They're billionaires because of her and her two tenures as Speaker of the House. She created financial boondoggles for her husband and for their own entities and their investments based upon inside information. She is the epitome of running a government that is not by, for, and of the people, but government by, nope, government for, nope, government of, no. It's all government, all in, for the government. The people aren't even part of that equation. We're necessary because they got to use us to make what they have got to make. That's the way it works. Well, how about, did you hear about our Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson? He dared go to Florida to meet with Donald Trump. And the left have gone nuts about it. It's, oh, it's, it's horrible. I'm going to let you hear for yourself. Here's a mainstream news report explaining all of the ills of the Speaker of the House meeting with former President Trump. 
Mike Johnson's recent meeting with Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago has ignited speculation and raised questions about the purpose and content of their discussion. The House Speaker's visit to the former president's resort comes on the heels of Trump's endorsement for Johnson's 2024 White House bid. The meeting, shrouded in secrecy, took place during a private fundraiser for Florida Congressman Gus Balericus, marking the first in-person encounter between the two since Johnson assumed the role of Speaker in October. While the specifics of the meeting remain undisclosed, social media has been abuzz with conjecture about whether the conversation delved into the upcoming 2024 presidential election. Trump's status as the frontrunner in Republican primaries has only fueled the speculation further, with the possibility of him facing incumbent President Joe Biden in November 2024. However, these speculations lack concrete backing from any official reports. Trump's prior endorsement of Johnson for the speaker position added an extra layer of intrigue to their recent rendezvous. The former president's influence in Johnson's successful bid for speaker became apparent when Trump publicly advised his followers to support Johnson. While concurrently opposing another nominee, Tom Emmer. Trump's strong suggestion and vocal criticism significantly impacted the resolution of a three-week deadlock in the House of Representatives. In a CNBC interview last week, Johnson emphasized his close alliance with Trump, describing himself as one of the closest allies that President Trump had in Congress. Trump reciprocated the sentiment on his social media platform Truth Social, amplifying Johnson's candidacy. This meeting, occurring against the backdrop of their recent interactions, has further fueled public curiosity about the dynamics between Johnson and Trump. Amidst the intrigue, Johnson's commitment to transparency has been highlighted by his announcement to release 44,000 hours of footage from the January 6, 2021, Capitol attack. The move aims to provide the public, criminal defendants, and media an unfiltered view of the events, distancing reliance from a select group of government officials' interpretations. As speculation continues to swirl, the ramifications of Johnson's meeting with Trump and its potential impact on the political landscape remain to be seen. There you go. There's got to be something sinister going on. Speaker of the House met with Donald Trump, who's under indictment. Oh, my gosh, they're colluding. And I promise you this story, I'll be brief. Oliver Stone, you know him as the Oscar-winning director of Platoon and JFK, he joined comedian Bill Maher for the Club Random podcast. So they got into it. Bill Maher, Annie Trump. Oliver Stone's not a pro-Trump guy, but he has been known to say publicly he probably messed up when he voted for Joe Biden. And Bill Maher just launched a diatribe against him, talking about Donald Trump. He's a president that doesn't believe in the rule of law. He he likes elections only when he wins. Every other election's bad. And Bill Maher made the mistake of bringing up the challenges that were made, and I don't have time to get into all of those. But the bottom line was, Oliver Stone said, are you certain he lost that election, <laughs> and that drove Bill Maher stark raving crazy, and they just went on and on and on. 
I like that when somebody asks a question and some big leftist can't answer it with facts. That's going to end the show today. Final story. Thanks for joining us on Monday. You guys have a great day today. It's going to be a good start of a new week. We're headed now towards Christmas. See ya. Every time I think that I'm the only one who's lonely, someone calls on me. And every now and then I spend my time with women for some crystals falls in me. And then along comes Mary. When big desire is the fire in the eyes of chicks whose sickness is the games they play. And when the masquerade is played, the name of folks make jokes at who is most to blame today. And then along comes Mary. And does she want to set her free and let them see reality from where she got a name? Is as sweet as the punch Sweet as the punch Sweet as the punch Sweet as the punch